and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the soporific Matt. Hello there. So then, Matt, how's your week been? Um, uh, well, sh- I think we need to start with an apology, don't we? Do we? Yeah. You know, last week's episode, when I joked, it's a new year, we've seen the back of the coronavirus, all our <laughs> problems are behind us. And what was it? Two days after we we recorded, we went back into lockdown. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) sorry, we jinxed it, guys. Yeah, and it's not helped by the fact that we record about a week in advance. So uh, yeah, the timing doesn't look great on that, does it? No, no. But uh, yeah, what a what a week. Well, tell me about it. Um, well, thankfully, we're here to have a little bit of fun and put that... Yes, well, out. it's Christmas again for us this week, isn't it? It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, timing not great, but uh, I, I wasn't prepared to kind of rush our schedule for the sake of hitting <laughs> uh, this one for Christmas. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we should probably say we're doing last Christmas this week, aren't we? We are. We are yeah. doing last Christmas, and uh, uh, that's kind of... It's funny because this often gets um, uh, sort of, what's the word? It's often referred to in listings as like Series 9, Episode 0. To me, this is such a Series 8 episode. It couldn't be more Series 8 if it tried. So it's uh, that's why we're doing it this week. Next week will be the Series 8 wrap-up. And uh, then we'll uh, maybe do a second Doctor thing and we'll talk more about that later. But um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. obviously, it's the second week of January where we're recording this. Mm-hmm. So, tying into last week, David, what's the nicest meal you've had this week? All straight in with it yeah. this time, because we left it quite late left in the game last the week. End, to... and, you know, um, I, I, I think this, this could be big for us this year. This could be... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So I have thought about this. I've got a bit of preamble for it because, for what as nice as the meal was, the 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 key element here was the element of surprise. Mm-hmm. So it was a day when I was working from home. Uh, the night before, we'd had a meal which included mash, and we'd made far too much mash. As you know, it's easily done. You know you. You've got to surf it of potatoes. You're making mash. You're like, I'll sod it. I'll just make. A, I'll just mash them all, and we'll see how we get on. Yeah. And then by the end of the meal, you've just got all, all this leftover mash that you don't know what to do with. Um, so I popped down for uh, for lunch at uh, my usual sort of time. Meet up with my partner and, and my toddler, and um, assuming it's going to be the usual, just quickly throw together a sandwich, uh, have a cup of tea, and then head back up to to crack on with work and I come down and there's this waft coming from the kitchen and I'm like you've been busy and uh my partner had made uh homemade cheese and onion pasties oh. with the leftover mash oh and it was just oh yeah it was perfect and we had some like really nice cheese left over from Christmas so she just threw that in there and it was you know when you just cook something and it's just you know it's unrepeatable mm. You're never going to have this exact experience again. So it was one of those. So, the big question is, did it beat last week's meal? Last week's meal was veg boonas, sag paneer, garlic naan. Mm. Are you going to put 
cheese and onion pasties as the best you see, meal you've had this year. You see, this is the tricky thing because, like, um, what this one had that the other meal lacked was, was as I say, the element of surprise. It was the fact that I was not prepared for, for a delicious special lunch. Whereas with the with the takeaway, we'd had it in the diary for days prior and I knew it was going to be Jaipur Spice, while our local Indian. And I, it's one of those places where I, I've... You know when you've got a takeaway place where you've, you've nailed your perfect order? Yeah. You know what it is. Yeah. There's no point deviating from it. It's only going to be a disappointment and you'll regret not just getting your usual. It, that is my usual order from it, there. It's funny you so, say that because whenever me and my wife agree that we're going to go out for a meal or order food, I'll probably yeah. spend the day perusing menus. Yes. But I would say Jaipur Spice is the restaurant where I have my order nailed as well, so... Yeah, um, it's a. Uh, if you're ever in our locality, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we cannot recommend that place enough, listeners. But um, yeah, so it's it's kind of it's. Do you know what I mean? It's hard to compare the two because on the one hand you've got a perfect meal that you knew was going to be perfect, mm-hmm. and on the other hand you've got a meal that you weren't totally unprepared for and was an unexpected delight. I think when it when push comes to shove, I don't think it's topping. The the uh, takeaway from Jaipur Spice. Oh really? No. As uh, and that's and it, it ha- pains me to say that because you know it was my partner's uh, cooking. Did, it was it was a beautiful surprise. Pod? No. <laughs> I, I was going to say because like I mean I, I I don't know how how to put this any other way but. Yeah. If the two of you were having a boxing match, I don't think my money would be on you, David. Oh no, absolutely not. <laughs> Um, can I, can but, I ask yeah. you a follow-up question? Of course. Obviously, you've discussed there that you were using cheese left over from Christmas. What's the best cheese? Yeah. Oh, I couldn't even begin to take... Ch- cheese is my... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, Achilles heel? I, I, I don't know. It's I, Cheese, cheese is, a, is a big deal to me. Really? I couldn't narrow it down to just one cheese, mate. Uh, over Christmas, we got this really nice... It was like a charcoal cheese... Ooh. You, you know, last week I moaned that my little brother bought me like those novelty beers. Yeah. Uh, my big brother bought me a hamper of cheese and like cured meats. Oh, and, nice. And... We 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 got we got a cheese selection from uh, one of my partner's uh, family members, and it was um, it was all stuff made in their neck of the woods, uh, Northumberland. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were some really nice ones. So there was a goat's cheese and a sheep's cheese and a, a nettle cheese. It was. Uh, uh, I had yeah. a really good goat's cheese over Christmas. Yeah. Well, since you asked, my best meal this week. <laughs> uh, last night, me and my wife had takeaway, but we got a takeaway from like a proper restaurant. Ooh. But that said, I still had like a takeaway, takeaway food. So I had a bolognese parmo. Oh, I've you see the part the rise of the Parmo uh, happened. I feel subsequently to me turning vegetarian. I I turned vegetarian around about sort of twelve thirteen years old. So I'd never heard of a Parmo until I'd given up meat. So I've never experienced. The thing is, the Parmo is very much a northeast English meal, so people might not even know what it is. So I want you to imagine a beautiful chicken breast escallop, so Mm -hmm. breaded. Traditionally, yep. it has bechamel sauce on the top. 
Yep. And then cheese on top of that. Stick the whole thing in the oven. And it's pretty much like a pizza, but the base is just made out of chicken breast instead of bread. Mm. I, it does sound good. I need to like, try and cobble together a corn variant or something. I think a some lot of point. people do cauliflower steak variations. Mm. Um, but yeah, I had I one last night. That. So it was breaded chicken breast, basically like bolognese mince on top of that. Cheese heated. And I'm going to say it, it beat my homemade doner kebab from last week for my meal of the oh. year. That is, um, I mean, that's very magnanimous of you, isn't it? You know, it takes a lot to, to, to admit that uh, someone else has bested you in that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say the best meal I've cooked at home this week was I did, and it was probably winning up until last night, I did sausages mm. in, like, sticky honey mustard. That was lovely. Oh, but it, nice. it would be remiss of me to focus on our new feature and not ask David, what have you had for breakfast today? <laughs> I'll tell you what we had for breakfast. We had um, we had croissants from a can. Ooh. Have you ever seen those? Yeah, you, yeah. You know the ones like it just comes. It's like a croissant pastry that's like comes in a tin, and you sort of unfurl the tin, and then you you sort of have to roll it by hand and cook it in the oven. Um, I think I've had, like, the the cinnamon pastry variant. Yeah, yeah. It's a a very occasional treat that we do. I I would say, like, as a side note to best food I've eaten this week, I've absolutely nailed, because I've been in lockdown at home, I have nailed my hot chocolate recipe. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. Which has made my wife furious, because I've been (laughs) drinking, like, two pints of milk a day. (laughs) <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be honest I'm not a hot chocolate person do you, do you know what the, the trick is yeah a little bit of cinnamon mm. just so it's not know. entirely sweet yeah it's not the sweetness that gets me it's just the fact like if I want something chocolate flavoured mm. I want it to be either like actual chocolate or a cake or something something substantial something with a bit of bite to mm. it I struggle with just drinking chocolate. I'm the same with milkshakes. I, I, I prefer a vanilla or a banana milkshake or something to a, to a chocolate one. See, the reason I've been drinking a lot of hot chocolate is day one of lockdown, working from home, doing live lessons, mm. teaching. Um, I basically drank like two full pots of black coffee and I was so <laughs> concerned that I was going to have a bedtime accident. I, I've tried to lay off the caffeine a little bit later in the week. Ah, uh, smart, smart choice. Well, there we go. There's, um, there's ten minutes of uh, high quality content. <laughs> you know, we know that's what you're tuning for. Those who tuned in for the banter rather than the uh, the actual episode discussion. Yeah. Um, and should no, we crack on with? Sorry, go on. We we've still got decide your destiny to go. Oh, that's exactly what I was going to suggest. Yeah. Yeah. Should we crack on with that? Yeah. So. Uh, we are two weeks into Alien Arena, the Doctor Who Decide Your Destiny adventure. Uh, if you were to estimate, Matt, because you've got the book in front of you, you're aware of its overall thickness. Yeah. How long do you think this feature's going to run for? I, I, I wouldn't like to say, because it could be one of those books where you end up going through every step. Yeah. Um, and in total, there are... 99 steps. Um, right, okay. And, you know, uh, I don't know. I would say 
in terms of like page density, if we've done as much as I would say we have, it's not even a quarter of the book. So Oof. we could be doing this for a while then. Yeah, I'd like to think we, that you don't have to do every step. I, I noticed when I flicked through, there are at least two which say the end. So mm. hopefully. Well. Fingers crossed, eh? Yeah. Right, I mean, my so, confidence um, was shaken last week where you said, oh, I'm going to follow the Doctor, and then the next step was immediately, you lose the Doctor. So, like, <laughs> I was just like, that are all me, the yeah. options just null and void, and you do the whole story anyway? Hey, that's, that would be bold for them to do a, a choose-your-own-adventure book uh, for Doctor Who and make it effectively a doctor light story, like yeah. Blink or something. <laughs> the Doctor barely features... So the the story so far is yeah. David has been beamed aboard an alien spaceship. Uh, I have. I was just trying to get to school. It's yeah. just a normal day for me. And there is some sort of like gladiatorial arena. Uh, mm-hmm. David was beamed up by mistake when they tried to get Alexander the Great. Uh, yeah. You managed to escape from Mister Big, who seems to be the main villain. Uh, yeah. You have foiled several aliens that all seem just based on different animals. So there was a bear, a newt, and an insect, and you've outwitted all of them. Yeah. And you've been running around a little bit with the Doctor. And after that, um, you bumped into like some other guy who doesn't really seem to have any effect. But as the party split up, you decided to follow Martha rather than the Doctor. I did. I did. I thought it might be uh, an interesting change. And that's where today's story begins. Right. So, Martha leads you quickly along a corridor. As you enter a new sector, you pass a series of what looks like fitness suites, full of futuristic prison... Sorry, futuristic exercise equipment. You guess this is where the Group 9 prison officers formerly... Kept in shape. I think that should be keep in shape, but never mind. The passageway begins to climb gently, and you struggle to keep pace with Martha, who is striding out determinedly. A little further, a slim silver plinth stands in the centre of a corridor. Mounted on top of it is a perfect jet black sphere. Okay, now this is you speaking here, David, so okay. you might want to read this line. I want you to say, what's that do you reckon? What's that, do you reckon? Martha peers curiously at the sphere and shrugs. Beats me. Some sort of artwork, perhaps. Anyway, let's crack on. Without further ado, she carries along the corridor. So, David, you can continue along the corridor with Martha, or you can take a closer look at the unusual statue. You see, I'm torn now, Matt, because... That's a uh, surprising lack of curiosity on Martha's part. Yeah. What if what if this thing is the key to to our? But also, do do I am I endangering the party? I don't want to lose Martha. I don't want Martha to wander off and for me to be left on my own again. Mm. You know what? Oh, this is hard. Okay. Now I'm going to try and role play this. So I'm role-playing this as myself, a cowardly schoolboy, as I was. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sticking with the grown-up who seems to know what they're doing. Okay. I'm following Martha. So we're going to turn to page 85. Unsurprisingly, the corridor abruptly branches into two. <laughs> okay. Now, David, your line is, where now? Where now? Martha ponders for a moment. 
Dunno. We'll you know to... I'm not going to edit you out prompting me, so uh, it's just right. going to be the same line twice every time. Okay. Dunno. We'll have to split up. <laughs> see, where, see what I mean about this bloody book. She gestures oh, to the left. You try that way. If you run into trouble, yell like crazy. I'll meet you back here in ten minutes, okay? Flashing... That's not a good plan, Martha. Okay. Flashing you this an is... encouraging smile, she sets off yeah. along the right fork. So, 50 metres further on, you encounter a figure slumped against a pa- the passage wall. It's a convict, but human. A large burly mm. man. He has a foul-smelling flask grasped in one hand and is snoring loudly. Clipped to the drunk's belt is a yellow and silver gadget with a screen and key- keypad bearing a Group 9 logo. A portable surveillance device. If you could remove it without waking the man... It might help you locate the TARDIS, Jalneth, or your enemy's whereabouts. Oh, that sounds handy. So you have two options, David. You can continue along the corridor, or you can risk pinching the surveillance gadget. I've got to risk pinching the surveillance gadget. I've already lost Martha again, so, uh, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. We are on page 56. Okay, I'll warn you, this is quite a reedy page. Go on. We'll do, we'll do this one and then maybe uh, call it a day. Okay. So before you can put your plan into action, you feel a sudden sting on the back of your neck. You reach up and pluck a tiny needle-tipped dart from your skin. Turning, you see a silver globe with a silver, single eye-like lens hovering just behind you. Moments later, everything goes black. When you regain consciousness, you find yourself lying face down on an unfamiliar floor. A deafening din of jeering voices fills your throbbing head. As you struggle to your feet, you see that a crowd of inhuman-looking spectators is gathered all around in staggered rows. You are standing at the centre of a makeshift amphitheatre. Oh no! The titular alien arena! Welcome to the arena, my young friend! Mr. Big is seated in a prominent position among the crowd. So glad you've woken up at last. Your friend here is itching to get underway. As Mr. Big gives out a callous laugh, (laughs) you follow his gaze to see Martha standing nearby. All bets placed then. Release the tyrants of time. At big signal, the aliens on either side of him clamber down onto two large transparent cubes standing at the edge of the arena. Inside the first, a grotesque figure is stomping and snorting angrily. It is monstrously sabre-toothed, with a crown of lethal head spikes. But more striking... Oh, oh, it doesn't. But more striking by far is its single giant compound eye. This fly-eyed cyclops is clad in crystalline armour and is carrying a long, thin, laser-tipped fighting staff. The second cube holds a tough-looking human warrior in battle dress of ancient Greece. Other imposing-looking fighters are similarly imprisoned in other cubes all around the arena's perimeter. The front panel of the two cubes suddenly dissolves, As the Grecian warrior strides aggressively towards Martha, the bug-eyed monster comes charging straight for you. Mm. 
Is that where we leave things this week? Well, do I have a choice to mull over? Uh, your choice is to look around for something to fight with or to run for it. Right. So, as I say, I'm trying to roleplay this as what I would have been like if I was an actual 12-year-old in this situation at the time. So I am hoofing it. Okay. As far away as I can. So we will begin next week on page 46. Righty-ho then. Well, thank you very much, Matt, for your wonderful narration as ever. And without any further ado, I think it's fine. Uh, time for us to talk about Last Christmas. The 2014 Christmas special? 2014, isn't it? It is, yeah. Now, yeah. I, I have a confession. Yeah. And I've held off on this. Um, I haven't watched this episode. Right. Okay. okay. Now, worryingly, yesterday, I thought I had watched this episode. <laughs> but then when I woke up, I had a big dream crab on my face. Uh, <laughs> and it, it turns out it just wasn't real. Oh, dear. How oh, you wag, Matt. Uh, had you genuinely worried there, did I? Uh, well, I did half wonder, you could have just told me and we would have rescheduled. <laughs> no. Oh man! Right. Um, so before I, before I tell you, I, I'm curious to know how did how did this one strike you, Matt? Good episode, bad episode? Where where are you landing on uh, last Christmas? Uh, I I liked it, mm. uh, but I feel there were a few beats, not necessarily the very ending, but towards the end that let it down a little bit. So. I think sure. as a rating, I'm going to go good episodes, some bad bits. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Um, interestingly for me, for a long while now, I've been telling everyone that I think my favourite Christmas special is the Snowmen. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've long been of that opinion. This is probably my third watch of Last Christmas last night, and. I think it might be my new favourite. I think it might have superseded The Snowmen for me. I, I think this is my favourite Christmas special. Yeah. Just uh, for, for a few reasons. One is the, the kind of the economy of it. The fact that, I mean, The Snowmen is like a big, overstuffed, hefty Christmas pudding of an episode, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really enjoyable, but it's stodgy and indulgent. Um... Whereas I guess if we if I'm trying to think of a Christmas food metaphor that works for last Christmas, I guess we could do no better than a tangerine. Yeah, you know, it's that... sharp and tangy and to the point. Do you like a tangerine? I do. Yeah, yeah. But let's have this discussion yeah. all the way through. They're just like no one likes a tangerine. I don't mind a tangerine, well, especially around the that's festive the doctor, period. Though. That's that's the curmudgeonly twelfth doctor though, mm. um, and I think he's only saying it to wind Santa up. Uh, one thing I will say, I, and I think we'll touch on throughout this episode, is the fact that in some ways this is kind of dipping into the same water as Robot of Sherwood, in that the Doctor, similar to how he, he reacted to Robin Hood, has no time for the legendary figure of, of Santa Claus in this. Yeah. He just finds him to be an annoyance. It's better than Robot um, of Sherwood, though. Oh, it is, absolutely. I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't argue that. Uh one jot 
Um, I've just realised I meant to look up who directed it and I didn't. Do you have uh, that in front it's of you? It's Paul Wilmshurst. Right, OK. I'm trying to think whether he did anything else. It doesn't ring any bells for me, but... Do you want me to have a quick Google? I've got the Wikipedia up in front of me. Um, did he do any other Doctor Who? Let me just have a quick look. Because, annoyingly, when I've clicked it, it has loaded the IMDB, which is not what I wanted. Nope. Right, Last Christmas, directed by Paul Wilmshurst. Filmography. So, let's have a look. This was 2014 Doctor Who. So, he has also done one of your yep. favourite episodes, Mummy on the Orient Express. Oh, right, yeah. And one of my favourite episodes, Kill the Moon. Well, there you go. Well, so, um, according to, to his... Oh, sorry to interrupt. According to his Wikipedia, no, those are his three episodes. That's it for him. Right, so he just worked for Series 8. I, I, that's surprising because he, he does good work in at, at least two out of those three. Um, he also directed um, a TV series called AD, The Bible Continues. <laughs> wow, okay. It's an American that's biblical intriguing. drama television miniseries based on the Bible and a sequel to the 2013 miniseries The Bible. All oh, right. Okay. So it's so it's not a sequel to the Bible. That's what I thought it might yeah. be. <laughs> Bible two, Super Bible. Ah, uh, wow. Um, Intriguing. I'm just looking like I'm looking for a plot synopsis. Uh, the tomb is open after the public calls for Jesus to be crucified. Yeah, it's basically just a drama about the Bible. But like, yeah. if you go on the Wikipedia for it, the like title card makes it look like it's some sort of Sci-fi channel, like, future <laughs> sci-fi series. Oh, wow. That's weird. Oh, that's, that's weird. sad. On the 3rd of um, July 2015, they cancelled The Bible Continues after one season. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Um, but, yeah, so g d d g solid work on uh, Mummy and uh, and Last Christmas as well, I feel like. Yeah. Um, gets the tone really right. Uh would, would but, you say this is yeah. the most Christmassy Christmas special? Well, I don't know. I feel like... I think it's the... I feel like A Christmas Carol takes the... I, I think this is the best one because it's most like my experience of Christmas. I don't care about Victorian tales of Christmas. Mm. Like, this is literally the only one that I can remember that's set in, like, current times. All the others yeah, are, are like... You know, even if you go to, what is it, the Doctor, the Widow and the Wardrobe, or whatever it's called. Um, certainly of the Moffat era. If you go back to the RTD era, you've got um, the Christmas Invasion, which is contemporary Earth. Yeah. And the Runaway Bride. Oh, yeah. But, but those, again, <clears throat> those are like... That sort of like... They don't feel real in no, the same the, way. Those are Doctor Who campy... episodes that happen at Christmas rather than a yes. Christmas opus episode of Doctor Who. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in some ways, and I feel that that's kind of, you could say the same about this one, in that it feels, first and foremost, like a Doctor Who story mm. that just happens to have Santa in and, and, and snow and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it... Um, <laughs> I I like I like the way the Christmasiness is integrated into this story. 
it feels it feels less forced yeah than some of the others um so anyway yeah should we should we just get stuck into this one because i yeah, think there's quite a lot not? to talk about okay so clara first and foremost I didn't know whether she would be back or not, but here she is. Yeah, they they leave it ambiguous, don't they? I mean, they? I know that the Santa appeared last episode and was like, no, 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 we don't end things like that. But, mm. you know, she's already had an ending, but she's here. Yeah. Uh, she's woken up at Christmas, and the reason she's woken up is Santa's sleigh has crashed. Yeah. And all of the elves, uh, sorry, all the reindeer are loose, and the elves are yeah. trying to sort of rein them in. I do quite like the shot of just the elf, of the reindeer just sort of bobbing around mm. in the background. It's uh, nicely done. Do we need to talk uh, about the elves? I think, well, we at least need to mention that one of them is played by Dan Starkey. Yeah. Who is uh, better known to Doctor Who viewers as uh, the actor who plays uh, Strax. Yeah. And when I listen to the Married to Who podcast review of this, uh, they yeah. mention it's the only time you see him. With his, as actual face, yeah, and yeah, even then he's, he's got big elves. So, yeah, um, I I like I like the use of the elves in this. I like that they're not that they're basically just um, uh, what would you say? Like, okay, I'm going to show my ignorance here because I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not really I don't really know much about rap. But is there not such a thing as a hype man? Yeah. Yeah, who's sort of just like sidekick basically to your to your central rapping artist. Yeah, so if you were performing kind of... and I was your hype man, I'd be Yeah. It's almost like backing vocals, but at the same time I'd just sort of like go yep, yep and just shout David really loud at the top of my voice. <laughs> yeah. They kind of fulfil that function for Santa, yeah. it, I feel like. Yeah. They're... Though though Santa kind of also sees them as a bit of an annoyance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so Santa apologizes to Clara and pretends not yeah. to be Santa. He just says, Oh, we're just roof people. And I what I really like about this is with Nick Croft's performance choice here, is that he's doing a Santa voice whilst he does this. <laughs> yeah. Like he's doing the ho 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 oh, don't mind me, young lady. And then when he's finally rumbled. He just plays it as Nick Frost. Yeah. And he's just doing his normal voice. I like the reversal of that. Yeah. Um, so, Clara works it out, and the elves, they don't endear themselves to Clara that much. They start mocking no. her. And yes. I, I thought this was a pretty good moment. It's where Clara says, oh, I don't believe in Father Christmas. I've grown out of fairy tales. And at that exact moment, the tar disappears. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think I I don't know if you've had this pointed out to you, David, but mm. uh, in many ways the Doctor's a bit like Father Christmas. <laughs> Never considered yeah. that before. No, yeah, there you go. it's been a few weeks since I've done like the old Robin Hood. Yeah, um, I'm going to put that to bed now. This series is finished. Um, I, I I think that would be wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the Doctor says, "Get on the TARDIS," and. The Doctor then says to Santa, I know what's at stake. So, throughout this episode, yeah. I kind of had it in the back of my mind that Santa Claus was the villain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, the Doctor basically treats him like one. Yeah. 
he's just got this absolute suspicion and, and such such gr- he's just so grave and severe like he doesn't brook any argument with 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 clara he's just like get in now do as you're told don't ask questions you know yeah um so he's like treating hit uh, santa like some kind of immediate hostile threat yeah so this is where we get the first acknowledgement that nobody likes tangerines yeah and the Doctor asks Clara if she believes in Santa Claus. And she says, at this point, right now, she does. Okay? Yeah. So prior to he this, cycles. she didn't, but the fact that it could all be part of, like, the Doctor's mad adventures. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, quite a good opening, because that's the sort of pre-credits so. scene. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it's, a, it's a nice hook. And I like, uh, when we come out of the titles... It's a hard cut to, like, proper sci-fi. Yeah. So, at first, I've said there's a moon base, but it's not. It's at the North Pole. And we're introduced to Shona. Yes. Did you recognise the actress playing Shona? I did, indeed. Uh, I mean, obviously, I didn't on first watch because it's predated her appearance in Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah. Um, So I think we need to have a little chat about Shona. I'll, I'll mention it now up front just so we can get it out of the way because otherwise I might forget. Um, as you may or may not be aware, Matt, this was originally intended to be Clara's last episode. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of... I, I mean, we, we can get... We might as well get into it. When when the ending happens, there was a version of this where it just kind of ended the way it seems like it's going to end. Yeah. And quite late in the game, Jenna Coleman basically said to the producers and, and Stephen Moffat, I don't think I'm quite ready to go. I'm, I'm enjoying this too much. Um, and so they rewrote it. Mm. Uh, but there is basically a parallel universe somewhere where Jenna Coleman did leave and Shona became our new companion. Yeah, I mean, I... I'm just going to pull it up, put out on Twitter like yesterday to ask people what they thought of this episode. And having listened to their episode last night, uh, Married to Who basically say, um, well, I think it's Jake from Married to Who has replied saying, I love Clara and I'm happy we get a bit more of her, but I kind of wish they'd ended her story here. And I'm not going to say where he wishes they ended it because that's later in the episode. Um, yeah. So yeah. So I, I, I think if they'd chosen to end things with Clara here, it's a more yeah. fulfilling ending than what we had last week. Definitely. Um, and I think it's going to be hard to match if if they're keeping Clara so, on. It yeah. needs to be good. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, we'll wait to see what what, what they do do with yeah. her um, in series nine. But but yeah. So how would you have felt about Shona being? Uh, uh, being the new companion. I, I quite like her. Uh, so the actress is yeah. called Faye Marseille. Uh, yeah. She is the waif in Game of Thrones. I don't think we mentioned that. Uh, uh, no, we didn't say She's also in Fresh Meat. And right. I've, I really need to get on that at some point. And she plays... So like, many, there's so much crossover with Doctor Who actors, it seems. Yeah, she's like a staunch feminist in that. Right. Um, and she's really good in that as well. So I, I quite like yeah. her. Um, yeah, I think I I think she would have been a really good addition to the show, and uh, you know, immediately so different to Clara. You know, she's a lot more working class. She's just kind of like blurts out the first thing in her brain. Um, 
a de- yeah, we definitely provided a good contrast from 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 Clara as a character, and and she's from Middlesbrough. She's from round our neck yeah. of the woods. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, in some ways, a missed opportunity, I think, and and I do. I hope it was the case that that Jenna Coleman had made her decision before she'd been cast and basically told, "Don't you're going to be the next companion," because mm. <laughs> oh, to have that snatched away from you. Yeah, must uh, mustn't be nice. But uh, but having said that, she's good as one. Well she just kind of she just joins the ranks of the likes of Sally Sparrow, Rita from the God Complex. Those kind of could be yeah companions. Yeah, well, there's always time. Yeah. She's only young. Yeah, yeah. There's always big finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we can we talk about Big Finish for a second? Oh, go on then, because I because uh, the it, I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah, so there was a, a a significant cover reveal last night. Yeah, as a time of recording. So it um, it's for Ravagers, the ninth Doctor adventure. Yeah, the first first of the four promised box sets. And and when I looked, I think it's one of those Scovox Ravager. Yeah. Things that we had it, in it does bear some similarities to the Scovox Blitzer. I don't think it is one, but uh, who knows? It might be. Yeah. I'd like to have the the Ninth Doctor going up against the Scovox Blitzer, especially if actually if he doesn't recognise him, because of course when the Twelfth Doctor encounters it, he already knows what it is. Mm. But we've never seen that first adventure, that first encounter. With a Scovox Blitzer. So it, it's so, also got some sort of Roman Centurion. Yeah. Yeah. It's got like American Civil War soldiers or Napoleonic era soldiers. Yeah. So I think like war is clearly going to be some kind of a theme yeah, with this. Because there's a big army tank as well. Yeah. And some sort of like hexagonal shape that's on it twice. Yeah. And then just GLaDOS from Portal. <laughs> it does really look like uh, like that, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm intrigued. It, we also obviously get the the announcement that we, we no Billy Piper, no uh, John Barrowman. So this is one would assume pre Rose. Yeah, these stories, or maybe they'll find some way to wedge them in the middle of uh, the continuity of series one, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm excited. I will be pre-ordering it. I wonder, um, I wonder if I've... it'll have Clive in it, observing what's going on. Ah, uh, I'd love it if we could get a Clive cameo in there. So, we, we got a little distracted there. We did. I mean, it's easily done when, <laughs> when the Ninth Doctor is uh, uh, the topic at hand. Um, but... Yeah, so uh, whereabouts are we? We've, so, we've met Shona. Yeah, she's and, investigating uh, the infirmary of this base, and she's being directed yes. by crewmates. Yes. Uh, who explain that there are four sleepers in the infirmary. Yeah. Um, I, I, love, I love this scene. I think this scene is kind of perfect really i could i don't think i would change a thing about it i like the way it's written to kind of withhold just enough information to really build the tension like you get a sense of that there is something happening but not enough to really fully understand it so it's like it has this kind of surreal quality to it but 
in a really kind of like nightmarish, tense kind of a way. Especially when they say, don't wake them up, don't even think about them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. To distract Shona's thoughts, they play Slade. Merry Christmas, everyone. (laughs) Yeah. And do you think it was a missed opportunity? Should they have gone with uh, Last Christmas? Um. Given it was a title? I, I think solely because Last Christmas is probably my favourite Christmas song. Mm, you and I are very different people, aren't we? <laughs> what, what's yours? Fairy Tale of New York? Uh, I'm going to sound like such a twat right now, because it's one that most people won't have ever heard of. Go on. It's, it's Run With The Fox, which was um, a Christmas single released by uh, Chris Squire and Alan White, who were the bassist and drummer, respectively, of progressive rock band Yes!, you you were right. You did make yourself sound a bit silly there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, it's it's a great Christmas song. Um, I don't know. I quite like. I've just got my little Christmas playlist up on my phone. Uh, All Alone on Christmas by Darlene Love. That's yeah. from Home Alone. I'll tell you too. what. I'll tell you what. My favourite is that people will, might have actually heard of. Um, Stop the Cavalry by Jonah Louis. Yeah, that's a good one. What, that's a great one. What about Never Get Tired? I Believe that. in Father Christmas by Greg Lake. Oh, I love that one too. Yeah. yeah, again, prog connection. Of course, I love that. Um, um, and uh, similarly, I love uh, Mike Oldfield's "In Dolce Jubilee," uh, which you you may not know because it's an instrumental. You you you. It's one of those you know it if you know it. It's the one that goes. Oh, it's the one that was for. It used to be the theme music for Fanny Craddock's like cooking show. Did it? Yeah, I do know the one. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I quite like Christmas music. I've got a little Christmas playlist on my phone that I break out every year. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. Um, um, what, what did you... uh, oh, is is uh, is is Slade on it? The Slade make the the cut for your uh, Christmas playlist. Let me just take a quick look. Um... <laughs> There's your answer, listeners. Right, I'm going to mute that before we get done for, like, copyright yeah. infringement. Yeah. yeah, yeah, please do. Last thing um, I want to be doing is paying hand over fist to Noddy Holder. <laughs> <laughs> Sat down having tea with my wife. Holder boots the door open. <laughs> Come on, pay up. No, he, pay won't up, say, he won't say pay up. He'll say... Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to do like an example where he would shout "It's Christmas," but instead of that, it'd be like, you know, I don't know, it's vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's taken a sinister turn. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, no, I love this. I love the incongruity of you've got this like really tense, proper sci-fi horror base. It doesn't quite have like flickering tube lights, but it might as well. And then. <laughs> blasting uh, I wish it could be Christmas every day over the PA yeah. and um, Faye Marseille's performance when she's like sort of singing along and dancing her way slowly through the, the infirmary oh it's just perfect it's so strange and funny and creepy all at once like that's that's proper Doctor Who to me mm. if you can hit all those notes simultaneously you're doing Doctor Who, right? So, when she reaches the opposite side, a door opens, and it's yeah. the Doctor and Clara. And after yeah. a moment, Clara asks what the sleepers are. 
Yeah. And they begin to wake up. Yeah. And I, I really liked this bit. This is where I thought, oh, this is where the episode's going to get quite interesting. The Doctor explains mm-hmm. that they use what's called third-party sense. So mm. if you are thinking about them, they can hack your neural network yeah. and use your own sensory modalities as their own. Yeah. And he calls them mind pirates. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a really interesting idea. It it's crazy how Moffat can just come up with these really off the wall monster ideas and just just toss them out there like it's no big deal, you know. You think about that, the weeping angels, the silence. He's he's really got a knack for that kind of thing. So the Doctor then distracts Clara with maths. And yes. For a teacher, she doesn't get a lot of these maths questions, right? She just <laughs> shouts numbers, but I suppose it's got a mind off it. Then he distracts yep. her by saying, think about Danny Pink, you know, and he Oof. insults Danny yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And Clara slaps him and screams at him and says that Danny is dead, which is obviously yeah. unknown to the Doctor. Yeah, news to him. Okay. So the sleepers attack. Until we get a little tangerine rolled across the floor, almost like a grenade. (laughs) And Santa arrives, riding on Rudolph. We see all the little toy robots enter the room as a distraction. It's a lovely little moment, isn't it? Mm. little sort of Christmas army. So Santa says, you know, it's Christmas Eve to bed, everyone. And all the sleepers go to bed. And we get a little bit of explanation that they are the dream crabs. Yes. Yeah, that's our our sort of easy name for them for the episode. Um, So, yeah, obviously the, you know, shares a bit of similarity with uh, other sort of creature designs from other things, notably Alien. Mm. There is, you know, they even lampshade that at one point. Um, We'll probably talk about that more when when we get to it because it's a great bit of dialogue. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, but overall, it like, th- th- very effective. And, like, definitely, I think, w- w- not exactly stiff competition, but the scariest thing that has ever featured in a Doctor Who Christmas special to date. Mm. You know, you can keep your robot Santas and your, your spinning Christmas trees. What about Flying Shark? Oh, that's just whimsical, isn't it? It, there's never really any great sense of threat. Um, I think the next uh, the, the the next best one is probably the 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 wooden king and queen in uh, the, um, Doctor with the wardrobe, hmm. which have a certain unsettling quality to them. But uh, no, the head crabs are just like proper <laughs> full on sci fi horror. So the Doctor discusses the dream crabs with Ashley, who is the chief scientist. Yeah. And he explains to Clara that you cannot trust anything that you see or hear. Okay? Yeah. And he says, you know, the main difficulty in telling reality from fantasy is that they're both ridiculous. Yes. He also explains that they're all dying. Yeah. Okay. So the Doctor asks for all the camera footage. He he says that everyone's wearing like a body cam. He wants to see what's going on. And when he asks why there's a base at the North Pole, uh, I think it's Ashley in this example, replies and says, long story. Yeah. 
Did you find that suspicious in that moment? Uh, I did after the sort of second or third time it's yeah. mentioned. At first, I was like, long story. Well, can we hear it? Is it explaining yeah. where the head crabs have come from? Yeah, what what yeah, what's the purpose here? Mm. But uh but it also it's not it's not beyond Doctor Who to just wave something like that away because they've only got yeah. <laughs> an hour to tell a story in, you know. Um so yeah. Um so at this point the doctor and Clara admit their lies to each other. Yeah. So he basically says, you know, um well, Clara says, Danny's dead. I said that he was alive, so you'd go find Gallifrey. And the Doctor says, well, I only pretended to find Gallifrey, so you'd stay with Danny. Yeah. So, all cards on the table now. I mean, it's good in a way, I guess, that at least they're finally coming clean. But it's, you know, you just feel sad for both of them, don't you? Yeah. Because, I mean, they have been lying to each other, but it... Only because they were trying to protect one another. Exactly, yeah. Right. So, at this point, it's where I clocked that nobody can answer why there's a base here. So they ask Professor Albert. Uh, Mm -hmm. Are you aware of Professor Albert? Ah, of course I am. Yeah, Michael Troughton, uh, brother of David Troughton, who we've seen in Doctor Who previously. Um, And, of course, uh, younger son of Patrick Troughton. Mm. So he is my favourite Troughton. Is he? Well, is that just because he's um, of of what you've seen? He's he's had the best sort of character. Yeah, he's just better than Patrick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but maybe just one. Moment. I just need to adjust the uh, curtains because I'm getting blinded. Oh, no. If David goes to the window and Noddy hold us there, that'd be a sad end to our pod. Though I do think there's actually quite a lot of. I do think there's quite a lot of similarity between uh, the, uh, his role here and uh, David Troughton's performance in uh, Midnight, mm-hmm. where they're both playing kind of like slightly patriarchal pro- professor types. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that mention that he 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 popped a hand on Shona's knee when he was briefing her about. Uh, going into the infirmary, and he's just like, it was intended as a comfort. <laughs> now, is, is there a plot point why he's eating a big turkey leg? Or is that just like a bit of Christmas? I know at one point he just goes, oh, I'm a bit peckish. Yeah, I think it's just, it's just a bit of colour for his character. It kind of adds to this kind of, you know, the fact that he's sending someone else off into danger and he's sat watching it on a screen, like just chomping on a bit of cold turkey. You know, almost like we as the audience, potentially, when we're watching this, mm-hmm. are just sort of casually watching someone else's distress whilst having a little little chomp. I like it. I just, I don't like. I said, I don't think it serves any plot function, but I think it gives us a lot more sense of who this guy is. That he has this almost casual disregard for others. I think he's the least he's the least sympathetic of the crew. So the doctor begins watching the mission footage and of course as they're all watching it together that means they're thinking about the brain crabs. So yep. they all awaken. 
the doctor outlines yeah. how they kill people. Uh, basically, drink your brain through a straw. Yeah. So he sends Clara to go get the one that's been like captured. It's in mm-hmm. like a glass vase type thing. Yeah, Santa captured it, I believe. Mm. So Clara then does the maths again because the head crab wakes up because they've all been thinking mm. about it. And it begins hunting her. Yeah. And just as you think things are going to be terrible, she wakes up at home. Now, I want to ask, before before you got to this point, had you given any thought to the, the fact that Santa is in this story? Were you just like, are they going to find some way to explain this? Or is it just that Santa is real in the Doctor Who universe? Yeah, and I, just gonna go I, I just thought, I'm just along for the ride here. You know, <laughs> you know. I think it's the best way to watch this story. Like I've spent yeah. most of this series believing Doctor was going to fight God, so <laughs> you know. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a universe where anything goes. Like, well, there that, really that, are that's no, just it. no like limits ultimately. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was entirely just like, all oh, right, he's here. Like, you know, like <laughs> in the same fun. way, like. Because Father Christmas exists in Narnia, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Yeah. yeah. And did you know that Father Christmas is considered the most powerful mutant in the Marvel universe? I wasn't aware of that. I see. I love it when sci-fi things like give us an explanation for for Santa. Yeah. Um, it's always fun. I, I watched. I, I you know I, I, one of the things I watched over Christmas. I, I don't, have you ever seen Arthur Christmas? Uh, is that the one where? Is that an animated one? It is. It's Ardman, but it's CGI. Yeah. It when they we flirted with no. CGI for a couple of years. The only new Christmas film I watched this year, I watched Fred Claus. Right. Which is where Vince Montfort is Santa Claus's brother. <laughs> yeah, it's a sim- similar kind of thing with uh, with Arthur Christmas in that it's like a sort of family dynasty kind of thing. Um, I- I'd never watched it. It just passed me by when it first came out. And it's actually really good. Mm. Um. And, uh, yeah, again, it it does that thing of, like, okay, let's take all of the the impossibilities of of, of Santa and let's try and retrofit some kind of explanation for how it could all work. Um, It's an interesting sort of writing puzzle to solve, isn't it? Mm. Um, But anyway, yeah, so Clara wakes up in what is obviously a dream. Yeah. Yeah. because she's got like a huge house now. Yes, <laughs> you know, despite being a teacher living in central London. Well, not just that. Like after Danny's death, we saw her like staying with her nana or a nana staying yeah. with her in a small flat. Yeah. But now she owns yeah. like a stately home, um, <laughs> and she's woken up by Danny dressed as Santa Claus. Yes. Oh, he's gorgeous, isn't he? Ah, oh, he does look dishy in his Santa. Yeah clothes it must be said yeah especially when he tries to be sexy and he's like oh you want to see what i've got on underneath it and clara's just like (laughs) danny you're a massive prude you've probably got your pajamas on (laughs) yeah it's i i think this is this is beautiful it's a like we we needed this i think as an audience and also i think it's only fair to samuel anderson as an actor that he gets this kind of coda for this character that he doesn't get to just go out on a massive downer of being a cyberman yeah 
You know, like, um, if the end of his character was he basically blasted off into space. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, and, 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 and self-destructive. Yeah. Not a satisfying end to... You know, no. I mean, I've been pretty critical of the Danny character, but he deserved yeah. better than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so she's kind of just in this, you know, perfect Christmas... Mm. Dream Until world. she starts going downstairs and notices like a blackboard on an easel, yeah, that explains she's dreaming. And yeah. I really like the effect where she like rubs the word out, but it just says the next word in the sentence. Yes, you know? yeah. So it goes. She rubs, tries to rub out dreaming, and it just replaces it with dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then again, we get a shot where the camera kind of pulls focus, and we realize the entire landing corridor is covered in these blackboards. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of like the idea that Clara is okay with dying in this example because she's with Danny. Yeah, yeah. It's the perfect it's the perfect dream for her. It's like it's the perfect... Because if, if the dream crabs are trying to, if they can, engineer a way to kind of give someone such a perfect dream that they're not going to want to wake up from it. Like, they nailed it for Clara. Mm. So, the doctor back at the base is frantically trying to save her. Yeah. And he arrives in her dream to tell her it's not real. And we see that the only way he's able to access her dream is to put a crab on himself. Yeah. Okay. So, I didn't really notice, think about it until the end... But it's interesting yeah. to point out that if two people have got crabs on, they can share, share the same dream space. Yep, yep. When, he uses I've it. just only just thought of it now, but when you were younger, did you ever watch Pottsworth and Company? Describe it. It was... I'll see if I can... Um, it rings bells. They, I think they were called the Dream Patrol, and it was a group of kids. It was animated... Right. And when they went to sleep on a night, including their dog, Pottsworth, they became the Midnight Patrol. There we go, I've just Googled it. Oh, I think and, I do remember this, And yeah. they would, like, fight nightmares. Um, I think I do have vague recollections of this now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. their main enemy is the Nightmare Prince. And when they're in the Dream Zone, they have special powers. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Was that on ITV? Um, is It was produced by Hanna-Barbera and the BBC... Yeah, because the BBC felt the suggestion of children being awake after midnight was inappropriate. <laughs> oh, no, it must have been on the oh, BBC. so BBC. Because the BBC changed yeah. the name from the Midnight Patrol to Pottsworth and Company. <laughs> Again, that is so BBC. Yeah. Oh. And I would also recommend, like, later on, like, check out the theme tune. It's got an absolute banger. Oh, I will give that a go. Might even pop it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, All right, then. So, So... in the dream, uh, the Doctor begins talking to Danny. And Danny says, you know, I didn't save the world. I didn't die a hero. I saved Clara... And everyone else just got lucky. Mm, now, good line. 
Yeah, but what's important to note is Danny didn't save the world. Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart did by shooting Missy. Uh, well, Danny was the one who got all the Cybermen to fly up to space and disperse the clouds and uh, mm. neutralise the Cyberman threat. I mean, everyone wants to feel important in life, so I'll forgive Danny for that. But I think he's overstating yeah. his, his duty there. <laughs> okay. So, I also like this bit where Danny says to Clara, five minutes a day. He's allowed to... Sorry, she's allowed to miss him for five minutes a day, but then she's got to live yeah. the rest of her life. Yeah. Okay. So this is where we get his like big farewell. He tells Clara to wake up, and yeah. when she does, it kills the dream crab. Yeah. And it's kind of just turns to a big pile of dust and ash. Yeah, because its feeding pattern's been interrupted. Okay. So it's handy, isn't it? Yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise, Im imagine if they managed to get it off, but then it still just would latch straight back on again. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Clara explains that she's got like a headache, a bit like a uh, brain freeze when you've eaten too much ice cream. And it yeah. turns out everyone has the same pain. Yeah. And the Can I say, this, this annoyed me because it was just such an... Moffat has these tics occasionally where... He'll write something in some kind of like old man way, and nobody will correct him and be like, nobody calls it that. Yeah. So, like, in the first series of Sherlock, there's an episode which revolves around a smartphone. Like, that's kind of the MacGuffin of the story. Mm -hmm. And everyone of every age, like young, young people, refer to it as a camera phone. Oh, really? Because that's what Moffat called them when he was writing that story. And it just, it really sticks out like a sore thumb. And in this, everyone calls it an ice cream pain. Yeah. Everyone says that in this story. I'm just like, who actually calls it that? Everyone says brain freeze. Sort it out, Moffat. Yeah. I mean, even <laughs> if you said to someone, how would you describe that pain you have when you eat too much ice cream? They'll probably yeah. all go, I don't know, it's a bit like a brain freeze? Exactly. Yeah. He just needed to give it like another minute's thought and then just go and find and replace it on the on the script <laughs> document. But, uh, yeah, no, so it just it's ever so slightly winds, winds me up that. But anyway, yeah, so they all have that same pain and it's in their temple. Because the doctor explains they're all still asleep. That pain yeah. is the brain crab drinking their brain. So yeah. what Clara has experienced is some, like, Inception-level shit where she's... Had a brain inside a dream inside Dreams. a dream. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say this is where it starts to get a bit inceptiony. Yeah. So the doctor uses books to prove they're all asleep. Okay. Yes. So at first, he gives them all a book. He tells Clara to choose a random page, and they all have to read the first word on that page. I love this idea. That's such a good test, isn't mm. it? Like. Because That's... none of them have read that manual, so it only exists yeah. within their own personal mind. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're having, their brain is having to kind of construct the details on the fly in the way that dreams are constructed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so clever. And of course, they all read completely different words. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, sorry, I'm just finding where I am. So, Santa explains that he's a construct of their mind trying to fight back. 
he says, you know, if you're at the North Pole on Christmas Eve, who else are you going to think of? So Santa is a force for good, it turns out, in this story. Mm-hmm. And yep. I like that the that Santa points out the Doctor's as weird as he is. Yes. Yeah. So they all hold hands. Uh, I, I, we've got to talk about uh, the Doctor being like, I, I don't want to hold hands. I, I, and then whether he backs out, just like, well, I, I'll hold Clara's hand, but that's it. <laughs> it's just... He's like a, he's something like a five-year-old boy. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when they do, Santa disappears, and they wake up and manage to escape the sleepers because they realise when they wake up they're going to be in the battle against the sleepers from the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Uh, the Doctor leads Clara back to the TARDIS, and basically says, "Look, we're going home now. It's up. To, they were sorting this problem out when we arrived." They can sort it out when we leave. And I like the line where he just goes, I'm not your (laughs) mum. But he says it in like, it's probably where Capaldi goes like thickest Scottish. Because he like goes, I'm not your (laughs) mum. And then walks off. Yeah. So Clara points out, if Santa was a dream, why was he on her roof? And... This is where I, I had my little quibble with this episode. All right, because after it. a while, I was like, "How how many times are they just going to be in a dream?" <laughs> like once or twice, I thought that's quite clever. But the doctor goes, "Oh yeah, we're in a dream again." Okay, <laughs> so he asks them all specific questions, and they all say long story. Yeah, and then he says to Clara, "Like, why did we turn up here?" And she says, "Long story." So none of them can explain why they're there. Okay. Yeah. So is it at this point where he does the book test again? And he does. And they, yeah. The words that they read out are "We are all dead," and then they do it again and think they've broken yeah. out of it, but it just says "Very, mm. very, very, very." And then very when, at the last dead. one, you think, "Oh, they've maybe got out of it," but she just goes, "Dead." <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So good stuff. So he realizes that they only have four books, mm-hmm. but if there's four members of staff and four people in the infirmary, okay, that's eight crew. Right there. Yeah. So it turns out that the four people in the infirmary are the four crew, and the dream yes. crabs have us. Okay, so they're again in a dream. Yeah. So, because they're thinking about the dream crabs, they begin to wake up, and one pulls Albert through the screen. Because this is not a dream, yeah. it is a nightmare. So, now mm-hmm. we've got the added threat that all level of insane madness can happen. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, they all run to the TARDIS to escape, but when they get there, the door opens, and Sleeper Doctor and Sleeper Clara appear. Mm-hmm. And it seems all hope is lost until they dream Father Christmas back into reality. Yeah. Okay. So they escape on the sled, and the Doctor says to Clara, you know, the big question is, do you believe in Father Christmas now? And she says, oh, I, I, I think I do, but he, he looks different to her. And she gives the Doctor a little cuddle. And then uh, the mm-hmm. next bit, I didn't know how to describe this, so I've just put, they go for a London-based frolic. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to Big Ben, they go past the Millennium Wheel and all that, 
And I like the bit where yeah. Santa says, uh, Doctor, do you, do you want to have a go? And he's like, oh, no, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't. And he goes, come on, you get to fly the sled. And he's like, yeah, of course I want to go. <laughs> yeah. So I, I like that Capaldi's Doctor's letting his guard down a little bit. You know, I've struggled yeah. with him this series. And I just want yeah. that little bit of fun back. And we seem to be getting it. We definitely are. The, 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 the icy exterior just melts occasionally. And... Oh, it's delightful. I don't resent the sleigh ride one bit. It's it's cheesy and it's silly, but fuck it, it's Christmas. And up until this point, even though we've had Santa, this has been a, a grim, horrible, um, like, really dark episode. So, uh, yeah, sod it. Sleigh ride with Santa. The, Why not? I Let's think do it. The bit I liked most about the sleigh ride is the next yeah. part where everyone begins to wake up yeah and we see them in the real world yeah and they start they're slowly as they're waking up they're starting to remember who they actually are because of course they're not all like scientists who work in some kind of polar base mm. you know they've all, they're all just normal people with real jobs so um, the first one to wake up is bellows who I don't think we've mentioned yeah. but she is the yeah. sexy old lady. <laughs> Yeah, as uh, according to the doctor, certainly. Yeah. yeah, and this was where I was like, "Oh, this is quite heartbreaking," because yeah. she wakes up at home and her granddaughter is like, "Come on, it's time for dinner," and she goes, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I must have dozed off, dozed off," and as she goes to stand yeah. up, the camera pulls out and we see she's just in a wheelchair. Yeah. And it's a uh, it, yeah, it's that uh, idea it, of it just the kind perfect of comes dream, out isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the next one isn't quite as depressing. I couldn't work out what this was because Ashley just wakes up at home. <laughs> I, yeah. I was like, oh, is I, there going to be something flawed to all these characters? Uh, well, no, I don't think there necessarily was, but but I like that, that we actually get the moment where she wakes up so quickly that for a second she sees the dream crab before it disintegrates. Mm. And she just gets that horrible little shock. God, could you imagine that, having a really weird dream? Like, she might think she's still in a dream for the rest of her life. Yeah, because because she's she's had that moment where you know we've all had the experience of waking up and That's thinking it. you've you've woken up, but you're actually you're still in the dream, and she's just woken up for real, turned over, and there is a fucking nightmare dream crab yeah. in her bed that turned to dust, and she'd have had to sweep it away yeah. and chuck it in the bin, yeah. <laughs> and and then for the rest of, just carry on living her life. Well. To go back, always with that nagging thought. To go back to am like, I still in a dream? Last week, sorry. Imagine my new character, Peter, the man that works at Unit, gets a call yeah. and he's like, "Um, I think there's like a dream crab in, in my bed." <laughs> like, if, if you were Peter that works at Unit, how would you cover that up, David? Oh, I, I, I don't know. Escape from a zoo. I'd just say moths. I'd just go, oh, it's that time of year, a lot of moths moving in from like the continent. <laughs> big big old dusty brain moth. And oh, then yeah. finally we see Sasha wake up. Yeah. And she's having like a bit of a lonely, depressing Christmas. And yeah. this is where I could see her being the next companion because it's a little bit like Rose. She's just living like an unfulfilled life, isn't she? Yeah, she works in a shop. She's got quite an unkempt little flat. She's got her little 
Christmas to-do list. It's mostly uh, films and TV shows she's going to watch. Yeah, it's got Game of Thrones marathon on there. Yeah, and I love that because I don't know if she'd been cast in Game of Thrones by that point. Maybe she had, so they just chucked it in there. But Because I think it was like the following year mm. she started appearing in Game and of Thrones. Awkwardly at the bottom, it says, forgive Dave. Yeah. So what do you think Dave's done? Oh, who knows? We'll never know. I, I reckon he's, he he's been... Come on, big finish. Sort it out. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon he's been playing copyrighted Slade music on his podcast. And uh, Noddy maybe. Holder's coming like... Beating them both up. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, yeah, it's a sweet moment. And we didn't mention as well, she was the one who, um, on the sleigh ride, was trying to get everyone's number and saying, we should meet up. Yeah. You know, so she's obviously, yeah, she's got quite a, a, a lonely existence right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you really do feel sorry for her. I, I, feel, I do feel like there's unfinished business with Shona. I would love for her to... Pop back up in something one day, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the doctor wakes up, and he's they—they've just used the same set from when and him and Clara were throwing the keys into the volcano, haven't they? It looks that way, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. He's on another volcanic alien planet somehow. So he just wakes up and he's like, "Oh, I need to go get Clara because Clara yeah. doesn't want to wake up." She says to Santa, "Oh, just five minutes more." Yeah. Um, so the doctor realizes that she's unlikely to come out. So he goes mm-hmm. to Clara's house to remove the dream crab. He's worked out how to yep. do it safely. Yeah. And when he does, we see Clara has aged sixty-two years. Wow. I mean, doesn't she? Doesn't look like she's in her eighties there. No, but. But uh, but still a decent effort with the old lady makeup and Clara and uh, Jenna Coleman plays it well I think yeah well it's a nice reversal from when Clara looked after Matt Smith when he was the old Doctor yeah they they even lampshade it when they uh, have the moment with the Christmas cracker mm. and and the Doctor helps her pull the Christmas cracker so he puts a little paper hat on her and she yeah. returns to being young in the Doctor's eyes for a moment. Yeah. Because she says, yeah. oh, does she say, am I old? And he's like... Well, she just says, D- do you really see no difference? Yeah. And and he's just like, yeah. Well, that's it, because all, all series he's just been like, how old are you? Like, have you got makeup yeah. on? <laughs> yeah, he just he just doesn't pay enough attention to faces yeah. for that to be a thing. Um, but yeah, they have the little chat, you know, every Christmas is last Christmas. Mm. Yeah. You so know. Clara's lived a good life. And, you know, she's travelled. Yeah. And I like the bit where she says, oh, yeah, don't worry, people propose to me. Uh, no, she says there were no, she proposals. she says there were many proposals. And he goes, oh, it must have been sad when they turned you down. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he says he's sorry and he wishes he went back. Okay? Yeah. So Santa gr- appears and grants his wish yeah. because, yet again, <laughs> the Doctor and Clark... They're still in a dream. They're still in a dream. Okay, so this yeah. time he does exactly the same, but he goes to save young Clara. Yes, and they get that second chance. And I like the bit where he says, you know, don't even think about it, the TARDIS is outside. Yeah. You know, he, he's virtually pleading with Clara to yeah. come continue the adventures. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've come clean with each other. Yeah. They know, they, they know both know that, you know, the Doctor didn't find Gallifrey, Danny's 
well, didn't come back. So they've got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. They need each other because they don't have anyone or anything else at this point. So, yeah, off they go. Yeah. To Adventures New. So, yeah, and a really nice little epilogue for the series, I think. You know, does a good job of ending it on a slightly less depressing note than uh, than, than it otherwise would have. Um, and again, which is why I find it so odd that people lump it in with Series 9. It's like, it's so it couldn't be more of a Series 8 episode if it tried. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said... Um, yeah, I, I agree in many ways with I, a lot of people say this would have been a great exit for Clara. It, it, it would have been a good companion. We'd never had a companion exit like it before where they just like the doctor just came back too late and they're just too old to go and off adventuring anymore. Yeah, that would have been very different and like sad without being some kind of enormous irreversible tragedy. Well, yeah, it's, it's which like generally been, isn't it? Yeah, because that's generally what we've had with companion departures in the new series. Is it's just, with the exception of Martha, it's just there is some like awful, irreversible thing that's happened, and now we've all just got to kind of move on. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, but also I don't resent Jenna Coleman for being like, you know what, I'm not quite ready to leave. Yeah, it's a great show. Yeah, I wouldn't want to leave if I was the companion. I know. What what do you think to the rumours this week of um, Jodie Whittaker possibly leaving? Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know whether we're going to touch on this or not, purely because by the time this comes out, this will be kind of old news. Um, the day that it dropped, I was already having a bad day. Like, this, you know, you, you, you've mentioned, it's been a tough week for your work, it's been a tough week for my work too. Um... And, yeah, when this news dropped, I was just like, I couldn't handle it, really, Mm -hmm. to be honest. It was just one more thing that was kind of... It was giving me way more anxiety than it should have, really, for what is ostensibly just casting rumours about a show that I have no control over. And ultimately, it's just a silly (laughs) science fiction show. But it really was hitting me hard, um, and I, I was struggling to kind of get it out of my brain. Um, I know. My, my the, big... the thing. Go on, sorry. I was going to say the thing. The thing is, oh, I mean, having had time to sleep on it and stuff, it's like at the end of the day, Jodie Whittaker can make can make whatever choices she wants to make. Nobody can force her to play a role that she she's ready to move on from. Um, I just feel like, especially if the rumors, well, not rumors, but especially if the predictions are true that. We will only get eight episodes, maybe even fewer, from this series. At most, Jodie Whittaker will have had 30 episodes in the role, which just doesn't feel like enough because she's had shorter series than any other Doctor. So whilst she'll have done the three series and out, which is the standard, Mm -hmm. they're such short series that I just feel like we need... We need more from her doctor. I feel like there's so much untapped potential and I don't know that eight episodes is going to give us enough to really explore every facet and every everything that she can bring to this part. So I mean, my, my wish in life is that she stays on so long that she does more episodes than even Tom Baker and she becomes the definitive <laughs> doctor. 
And then that'll... Sh- that's kind of what I want as well. That, that'll I shut love- up all those people that are like, oh, we hate women. Ah. Yeah. I would love for her to become kind of the Tom Baker of, of the 21st century. But I don't know that that's realistic at this point. I do think at most it's probably going to be one more series after the one they're filming at the moment. Mm-hmm. Just because it's dragged on a bit for her in that with with the pandemic and, and the, 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 the slower production schedule than they had anyway, it takes such a long time between her series. It's averaging one series every 18 months. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'd, I, I, I would love for her to stay a bit longer. Yeah. But we shall have to wait and see. And, and at some point when they do... If they do actually, because obviously the BBC and Jenny Wedding have not commented on these rumours at all. Um, if at some point they do come out and say, yes, no, she is leaving at the end of the series, then we can accept it and we can start all that exciting talk about who's going to be the 14th Doctor. Mm. And that is always an interesting thing, you know. It, um, it's quite funny because uh, I've been going back through all our old episodes. Because yeah. I want to catalogue how we've ranked each episode in terms of like oh, good yeah. episodes. We haven't mentioned the fact that you've completely lost your mind, have we? No, <laughs> no. So I, I can't remember where I got to, but during lockdown in my free time, I've just been listening to like the first 10, 15 minutes of every episode until we rate it. Um, yeah. So if you go back to episode. I bet we don't even rate it on some of them. Uh, it's about 50%. <laughs> <laughs> and even though we have a rating scale, some of them we've just given insane ratings to. There's very few yeah, well, that actually fall into good, bad. So I'm going to save that. I'm going to discuss that more on the end of oh, series right. wrap-up. But I just wanted That's to point out, yeah. if you go back to episode 48, yeah. which I can't even remember which episode of Doctor Who it is that we're reviewing... Uh, we discuss rumours of Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chibnall leaving Doctor Who, and oh, at, we yeah. discuss our wish for Christopher Eccleston to do a big Finnish audio. So <laughs> there you go. That was August 2019 that we had that conversation. Wow. And here we are, just over a year later. Yeah. Uh, I've also pinpointed yeah. episode 77 as the episode where our podcast gets good. Which one's that? Uh couldn't tell you. I, I just know it's episode <laughs> okay. 77. Episode 77. All right. I'll start telling people that if they want to check out the show. Just start with episode 77. Yeah. Um, that's about average for a podcast, isn't it? I know. But it's, it takes about 60 episodes to get good. I know. But it's like a year and a half of my life I wish I had back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, good news, Matt. You get a week off next week. No Doctor Who to watch. Yeah. And we'll be discussing Series 8 as a whole in a little more depth, presumably indulging in a bit of uh, tangential nonsense as well, as we like to do with a, with a series wrap-up. Um, and one thing I was going to ask is, I don't know whether you want to say this for next week or not, but I, I, would, I think we need to get a Twitter poll up some point soon. So maybe when this episode drops, could you pop a Twitter poll up, Matt? Yeah. Um, and ask P- our listeners if they want us to do the Mind Robber or the War Games for the Second Doctor. Okay. Because I think the Mind Robber is a good choice. It's uh, it's a nice tight five-episode story. 
It's an interesting one. It's a fan favourite uh, for the second Doctor. And uh, crucially, it you know, it, it won't take us at least two episodes of the podcast to review. Whereas you've been lobbying for the War Games, that, which we know is the second Doctor's final story, but it's a ten-episode monster. Right. I, I say, um, I'm saying War Games, one episode. <laughs> I mean, I, I... It would take us all day all to those e- old episodes. The first ten minutes is recapping what's already happened. <laughs> so each episode's only like quarter of an hour long. I think if we did War Games, we would have to do it in two episodes of the podcast. Five apiece. I, I, honestly, I couldn't commit to more than that. Right. Because there will be too much to discuss. And also, I don't have enough free time to watch all ten episodes of the War Games in one week. You, I can't do it. You just need one sick day, David. <laughs> you, you know as well as I do, if we do war games, that is one sitting for me. <laughs> you will lose your mind. I, I feel I already have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so we'll stick that up on on Twitter, shall we? Yeah. And people, the, the people can decide. Mind robber, war games. I'm up for either. But if we do war games, that's going to be two episodes of the podcast. Right. I don't know how committed I am. I might just watch war games in my own free time out of sheer stubbornness. <laughs> well, we shall see. But uh, we'll see what we'll see what the people say, eh? Yeah. But get that up this week, and then we can talk about the results of that on the uh, wrap up. Um, on the wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Okay. Is that? Does the timing work on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's easily done. Yeah. All right then. So yeah, so join us next week for our for our series eight wrap up. And until then, listeners, thank you very much for listening. And cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.